Hey girls and ghouls, welcome to Slashers Prefer Blondes, the podcast where three brunettes talk the kinds of movies that bite, scream, and slash. I'm Natalie. I'm Heidi. And I'm Laura. And today we're sinking our teeth into a different kind of meat as we dig into Mimi Cave's 2022 film, Fresh. month we are doing a laura pick um laura what made you want to choose this particular movie everything about it when i first heard about this film i was super excited because cannibalism (laughs) but uh no i think that it definitely is representative of a type of feminist body horror that i really gravitate toward Uh Um, i mean feminist body horror in general but definitely narratives that deal with things that are considered taboo Mm -hmm. and that relationship to women. So I found this really interesting because of the way that it comments on the consumption of women in general. And while it's, you know, it's, I'm not going to say it's a perfect film. I mean, I I think at points it's a little heavy handed, you know, it's kind of like it draws on a lot of cultural ideas that we're really familiar with like the chads of the world and how Mm -hmm. those kind of men behave a lot of like modern millennial in jokes about like dating men right so some of it is like you know we get it it Mm -hmm. doesn't really need to be said so some of it is explicitly some things are explicitly said that don't really need to be but i think in general the idea of literalizing kind of like what we talked about with the night house this idea of literalizing a common cultural trend, that being, in this case, the consumption of women, whether that be, you know, in this case, it's it's physically, they're physically eating these women, but whether that is economically with women's unpaid labor, whether they're being consumed sexually, or if that's symbolically, like politically, you know, the control over women's bodies. Mm-hmm. So I thought this movie was, was really interesting because of that. And you know, because it was done in such a weirdly comical, it had a really good blend of mm-hmm. tone in that it was serious and it was depicting these really, this gruesome subject and treating it in a kind of light way. Like the humor gives it a little bit of lightness that mm-hmm. seems kind of discordant with the, the various serious topic. Yeah, yeah, no, I... I totally agree. Like we actually talked about this before. Like if you weren't picking this movie, I think I even said this to you. I was like, Hey, if you're not going to pick this movie, I'm going to pick this movie Mm -hmm. just because I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but there are sometimes we watch a film and the film starts and you're like, wow, this is really doing a lot of stuff that I enjoy. And then the movie continues and you're like, wow, this movie feels like it was specifically crafted for me personally. (laughs) Exactly. And as I was watching this again today, I was I was like struck by that even more so than before. It's like everything about this film, the casting, the music, the way Mm, that it's shot. Yes. The content itself is like also really cool. I love the horror comedy aspect of it. Like I, I wouldn't say that it's a perfect film. But it is very perfect for the kind of movie I like to see. Exactly. So like I rated this a four and a half 
out of five on mm-hmm. Letterboxd because I was like, this is exactly what I wanted out of this movie. Like, yeah, there's like, like I have a couple of things that I'll mention at the end, but like overall, great job. Like completely yeah. recommend. I understand why some people would rate it a little lower because I do see some of the the flaws in the movie. But for me, there's so much that I'm like, yes, this is why mm-hmm. I come to the movies. We come to the <laughs> movies for magic. Like so, <laughs> this is this is what we're here for. Exactly. So, I was really excited when you picked this movie. Yeah, this is actually, I was thinking about it yesterday. This is one of the movies that I think, I wish I would have written. Like, this is something that I could mm-hmm. see myself writing, you know, in a similar vein. This How it deals with this specific topic is definitely mm-hmm. my bag. So I, I definitely thought it was very clever, very well done, and done in a way that is that leaves an impact, but also doesn't leave you feeling terribly depressed you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah for sure also i mean sebastian stan but what can you yes. say yes I, yeah yes yes <laughs> <laughs> heidi how do you feel about the movie it turns out that if you want me to watch a body horror movie just put sebastian stan and some bops <laughs> in it and i'm there <laughs> this movie has everything it has sebastian stan it has the bops yeah, literally me watching this movie like as a bisexual person and being like, Daisy Edgar Jones is right there and she's so pretty. And then yeah. Sebastian Stan is right there and he's so pretty. <laughs> it's like, this is a problem. Even the uh, scenes where he is like committing terrible acts. I'm like, man, you are still so good. You're such a good actor and you mm-hmm. are so great. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> he's just charming. At the end, though, he is really like menacing, even when he is mutilated and like running around but that's the scene where he like crawls up onto noah and like grabs her yeah and he's like Mm -hmm. yelling at her i was like that's scary okay like (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny how you know you're you're supposed to hate him but the way he plays the character and the way it's written i think you know you kind of understand where he's coming from a little bit i mean he's he's a sociopath but there's also this sense of loneliness that you get from him. And when he finally feels like he's found a kindred spirit in Noah, you you kind of start to see, at least I did, his perspective a little bit. And not, not condoning his actions by any means, but it's almost like he's not, he doesn't play it as a purely evil character. He plays mm-hmm. it with some some emotional aspect to it that almost you can see the way he's feeling him, the way she's making him feel that he hasn't felt before. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things that makes this kind of compelling. Like you get like a really compelling villain narrative here because like even when he is doing quote unquote nice things, you can still kind of see that undercurrent that the film is like is making like a commentary on the way men treat women and the way Mm -hmm. men, what men think women want to be versus like what women want to be on their own and like what a man wants Mm -hmm. in a woman versus what a woman actually is. Like you see a lot of that even in their interactions one really good instance of that that I noticed rewatching it today was in the beginning, you have that scene with Noah and the guy from Jane the Virgin. I forget the actor's name. But he's the main love interest in Jane the Virgin. <laughs> Brett Deer. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. His name is Chad in the film, which is also very funny. Um, <laughs> he says, like, you know, I feel like the women of our parents' generation wanted to dress up more. And he says, I think that you would just look great in a dress. And Mm -hmm, while I was watching the film, the first time that Steve, air quotes, gives Noah clothes, it's clothes that she would actually wear. So it's like a pair of jeans, a sweater, a t-shirt, like stuff that Mm -hmm. we've seen her in throughout the entire movie. Mm -hmm. But then later at the end, when he wants to do like a more official date, he gives her that pink dress. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and you can tell it's when she hideous. opens the box that she does not like it because it is hideous but it's like <laughs> it calls back to the beginning where he's like okay now that we're doing something that i want to do something for me we're going to put you in clothes that i want to see you in i thought that was really interesting it was like a really good callback mm-hmm. yeah and he also has moments throughout the film where you can definitely see how he is disconnected from what Noah is feeling and how she's behaving because mm-hmm. it's like he sees he legitimately sees nothing wrong with what he's doing I mean that's the sociopathic part of him right but mm-hmm. he's treating her like she is an animal and and he even has this line I'm, I'll mention it again when we get to it but he says don't be so dramatic or stop being so dramatic so to him this is just something that he does as a job and he he's not he doesn't understand why it's such a big deal to her so it's just kind of like, you know, he's viewing her as something to be chopped up and consumed and like, mm-hmm. oh, just accept this. This is your fate. Like, this is the hand you've been dealt. I don't see yeah. why you can't just accept it. Well, he says, he says like specifically about how it's like, I don't think he says exactly that he thinks that the women should be grateful, but he says that there's something like beautiful about them like giving themselves up and i was like this is gross yeah that's during his monologue yeah 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 it says a lot i think about the way that he interacts with women point blank because Mm -hmm. we learn later on that his wife is someone who has been in the same situation noah is in and you also kind of like get you get the feeling like immediately like he says like hey i really like you I think that you're special. Penny's like, no one else has slept with him. Like, I would take it as a compliment later on. You can tell that the way the film is making it very clear that Steve thinks that there is something special about Noah and Steve genuinely likes Noah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if you genuinely like her, why did you kidnap her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that the only way that you know how to really relate to women? Can you not have a relationship with a woman that isn't sort of based in some way around you maintaining power over her and like literally eating her. Mm-hmm. I think that that speaks volumes to the way that he views women in general and like has relationships with women. Yeah. And I, I definitely want to comment more on that later, but I'll, I'll mm-hmm. bring it up. I'll preview it right now because I, as the movie was going on, I wrote down, why does Steve just casually visit her in her cell? Like he just mm-hmm. comes in like at the end of the day, he's like, oh, it's been a long day. <laughs> like he's coming in for, exactly. for like companionship while she's sitting there chained to the floor. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely, that speaks to, I think what you were saying. And, you know, at the very end when she's like, where is all my stuff? And he says, I guess that's with me. At first I didn't yeah. know how to interpret that. But then I was like, oh, is he like keeping her as like, he's planning to eat her a little bit at a time I or like, know. I don't know, but we'll get to that more later. The film also kind of posits the narrative as being like, Steve is cheating on his wife with Noah. Yes. Like, that's mm-hmm. how I, I will mention this later on, because there's a couple of things that I wish were different about this movie. And this is one of the things like, I kind of wish that they'd really, like, lean into that a little bit harder, because I think that would have been really a much more interesting arc for Anne. Is that his wife's name? Yes, yes Anne. that's correct. Instead of what we end up getting at the end of the film. But I... I just found that really fascinating that it's like, okay, he's quote unquote cheating with this woman that he's quite literally like cutting up and selling. (laughs) Yeah. It's just fascinating to me. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, really, for all those reasons, I thought this film was a breath of fresh air, might I Uh say. So yeah, I, I think that maybe we should just get into it to start. 
start dissecting it, if you will. Man, I'm I'm terrible. I gotta stop. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Did you want to do your Wikipedia rundown? Oh, yeah! Oh my god, yes. Okay, well, I don't really have a lot to say because this did just come out this year and everything, but... So Fresh came out this year, 2022. This is our most recent film that we've ever covered, which is exciting. It is directed by Mimi Cave. This is her directorial debut. And the screenplay was written by Lauren Kahn. So we got a female writer-director duo, which I think is fantastic. Yes. yes. This movie stars Daisy Edgar-Jones, who is most well-known for Normal People, I think. That TV series based on the book by Sally Rooney. And Sebastian Stan, who is probably most well-known for being the Winter Soldier in the Marvel franchise. But he's also in a lot of other stuff. He's in uh, Pam and Tommy. He was in Once Upon a Time. He was in Gossip Girl. I, Tanya. <laughs> he was in I, Tanya. He was in yeah. I, Tanya. Literally, there is like a plethora of Sebastian Stan content out there. If you guys aren't watching it, I highly suggest that you go watch it. I was listening to a podcast earlier about this movie. And in it, they were like, yeah, I just, I didn't really, Sebastian Stan hasn't really been on my radar outside of Marvel. And I was like, that is a mistake. Like, <laughs> It really is. Check yourself. He's in The Genuinely, Covenant. Yes, literally, The Covenant is the first thing I ever saw him in. That movie is terrible, but he is still cute in it. He's in that Shirley Jackson novel. Yes, he's really good in that too. I didn't even like that movie and he's really good in that. Uh, yeah, he was the best part. Oh, what is it called? We have always lived in this castle. Or we have We've always, always lived, lived in, in the, the castle. Ca- yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, I wanted it to be different, but it's fine. He was really good in it. <laughs> so was Alexander Dario. She was really good in that, too. Yeah, so, like, genuinely check out some of his stuff. Itania is one of my favorite movies. But anyway, so it was released early this year in March on Hulu, and it also premiered at Sundance in January. Um, it's actually gotten pretty good reviews. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it holds like an 81. We are seeing a lot of praise for it online as well. People overall like this movie. They think it's a really good horror mm-hmm. film. Everybody is really praising Mimi Cave. I'm really excited to see what she does next because I think the directorial style of this film is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It is very much so like lush and interesting and very empathetic in a way that I find very compelling for a two-hour horror film. Usually, you can kind of feel it dragging. And I don't get that feeling until the last 10 minutes. So Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. that is a positive thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's basically all I really had. I didn't really want to go too, too deep into it because I thought we would talk more about the film this time, for sure. I think it's a fun point of note that the three of us all watched it at the same time almost when it Unknowingly. <laughs> Unknowingly. Yeah. Yes. If you want to watch it, it's on Hulu. So mm-hmm. go do that and then come back. This is something where as soon as I heard that it was coming out, I was like, I have to watch this. And I think that it was I the know. same for you guys as well. Like It was, yeah. I watched we like, it and yes. I sent them a text and I was like, oh my god, you guys need to watch Fresh. And they were like, we're literally doing that right now. We have 30 <laughs> right minutes now. left. <laughs> like, we're literally doing that right now. <laughs> that is how in sync we are. Yes. I am super excited. I honestly... Honestly, I'm going to I'm going to call this really early. I think 2022 is going to be a really good year for horror films. I think that we are really entering some very interesting female-helmed director territory yeah. cuz like this Watcher, I'm really excited for Don't Worry Darling. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm, I'm so excited for that movie. I <laughs> I am I I think we're going to have some pretty big winners coming out of this year. And mm-hmm. I am just so excited to see what comes out next. 
I think that is largely due to the fact that we're just getting different people behind the camera. You know, I mean, yes. just getting different perspectives, different stories that weren't always as easy to tell. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, just that excites me that there's the prospect of seeing different, of seeing diverse filmmakers yeah. tell stories that, you know, we had no idea would, would ever be told. So that's really encouraging. One of the things that I think is really good about this film and about Watcher as well is I think that both of them are very, like, if you look at the basis of it, they're very straightforward narratives. Like, Watcher is just a stalker story. And this is very woman dates man, man is a psychopath, which we've seen. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's the, the sort of intent and the specificity that is in both the script and in the actual way that the film is shot and constructed that really just makes it feel so like pardon my pun but fresh and interesting and I think engrossing like I I found Mm -hmm. this film to be so so fun to watch and I felt that way about Watcher too but I mean we don't really need to get into that right now um (laughs) so yeah I I just so good very excited I'm excited to talk about it let's jump in Noah played by, what is it, Daisy Edgar Jones? Mm-hmm. Is a young woman who finds herself on yet another bad first date with someone that she met on a dating app. He sucks. <laughs> telling her that it's cash only shortly before their date, which is rude. And then criticizes her baggy sweater for not being feminine enough. And then even though she pays for it, he takes all of the leftovers. <laughs> he takes some off the tip, though. Like... <laughs> yeah he doesn't have you don't have to tip as much because i'm taking the rest of your food he says i just like i can't with him i love i love casting brett deer in this role too i have only ever seen him in jane the virgin i think but he's like such a nice guy in jane the virgin (laughs) so i think it's like really really it's really fun to see him in like a fucking like fuckboy dude bro lay i like i really enjoyed it when i saw that i was like that's funny (laughs) the one thing i want to i do want to say is that i think at first i thought you know, why this film is opening with her talking to her friend, which was like, it doesn't seem like a very catchy way to open the film. You'd think, I don't know, I guess I thought that maybe it opened with something a little more seemingly memorable. But then as I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, you know, this makes sense thematically. And as we talk more about what happens in the movie, you'll understand why. But like the conversation with Molly happening at the very beginning makes a lot of sense because it establishes from the beginning that they're on you know, that they're best friends, they talk to mm-hmm. each other frequently, they're they're like clued into what's going on in each other's lives, which is essential yeah. for the mm-hmm. rest of the movie. So I was like, actually, it, it makes a lot of sense that they're beginning by setting up this relationship between her and her best friend. Mm-hmm. And it also, it also feels really like realistic too. Like, I don't know how many times before I go somewhere, especially somewhere I don't want to go, where I'm either on the phone with or texting one of my really good friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> That friendship between Molly and Noah reminds me a lot of the one between, I can't remember his character's name. It reminds me of Daniel from Get Out and the airport security guard. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they have a very similar role. Yeah. Like, it reminds me a lot of that and, like, that how that relationship is, like, so integral to the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it reminded me of the night house with, of course, now I'm forgetting the main characters' names, but oh, and her best friend, yeah, yeah, and her best yeah. friend Claire. It was Claire and I want to say Becky, but that might not be it. I don't know. Yeah, but I also I also liked the way that they opened. It is much more of a low key opening than you would mm-hmm. expect for yeah. a horror film. 
but I like it because I, I, what I like about this movie is that it is basically a rom-com for most yeah. of it. Like for like 90, like not 90, like 75% of this movie is just a rom-com. And then there's some horror shit thrown in. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like even the way that it ends, like the, the ending of the movie mm-hmm. feels very rom-com to me. Like <laughs> just in a little twisted way. Yeah. Like in a fucked up kind of way, but like when like them, like making the jokes and everything at the end of the movie, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. this feels like it would just be like a funny, like romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't work out, but like she's still with her friend, like that kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. <laughs> But I like that it really, really leans into that romantic comedy aspect in the beginning. And I love also that when you rewatch this film, a lot of the stuff that does seem like true cut and dry romantic comedy like aspects mm-hmm. are actually much more sinister. like foreshadowing or sinister yeah, than yeah. you originally thought that they were, which I loved. Yeah, that was a good that was a good like, yeah, second viewing. Yeah. Well, for I'm sure, sure we'll get to that when we start talking yeah, about them getting together, sure. but like, loved it. <laughs> yeah. Before she says goodnight to her horrible date, she tries to be like, I'm just not that into you. And he is like, well, I was just trying to be polite. You're not even my type. I roll. If that was the case, then why are you getting so close to her? I know. Well, yeah, he, he was going in for like a kiss or something and then was rejected and immediately got upset and put the blame on her. I know, it was so weird. Trying to save his fragile ego. Like, I I think that this scene just, like, worked for me, though. Like, as we were saying, you know, it's not the kind of opening that you think that this film would have. But I was, like, immediately, like, I'm here for this. Like, Mm -hmm. I I feel this. I understand this pain. Yep. (laughs) So I was was here. Immediately endeared to the main character and sympathetic to the main character. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. One of my favorite small details is when uh, he walks out the door and he doesn't hold it for her. So it just yes. slams back onto her and she's like, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And Nick was like, did he just let that slam in her face? And I was like, sure did. <laughs> like I hold the door for strangers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> when they're like 20 feet away. Oh my God. Horrible. Horrible dating experience. I will stand there and hold the door for damn near 30 seconds for somebody to make their way to the door. (sighs) And though her dating life seems to be going pretty poorly, Noah's best friend Molly tries to cheer her up and reassure her that she doesn't need anyone and she deserves way better than the guy from the restaurant. Or the one that later that night sends her disgusting unsolicited dick pics. (laughs) the realities of modern dating (laughs) y'all after realizing she has no food in the fridge she goes to the supermarket where she meets steve sebastian stan who flirts with her over a bag of cotton candy grapes and then he gets her number which cotton candy grapes a real thing y'all yep i've never had them but they're they're good they're good they're good do they really taste like cotton candy yeah they're really sweet it's weird (laughs) that is weird when he's like, I told my my sister, I think, and my niece that they taste like cotton candy. And they're like, fuck you, no way. And she's like, your niece said, fuck you. <laughs> he's like, what, four-year-old man or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's incredibly charming in the scene. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. he, 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 he knew the assignment. Let's put it that way. Seriously. One thing I wanted to mention just, like, just before this, as she's walking home from the bad date, mm-hmm. there's this really quick scene where she sees someone walking behind her and it's late at night and she's like 
getting her keys ready in her hand to, mm-hmm. you know, attack him because she assumes it's yeah. someone who wants to attack her. And then he walks by and it's just a man holding a baby. And he's just like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, what's up? So, like, that was a really interesting scene where she's, like, primed for danger, assuming that she's going to have to defend herself. And then realizing, like, I think she says something like, I'm such an idiot. Yeah. You know, she's kind of chiding herself yeah. for being afraid of something and assuming the worst. So I think mm-hmm. that's important to note just as we go forward. This idea of appearance being different from reality and not knowing mm-hmm. how to judge someone and and almost maybe this is just me like having that initial fear response and then when it turns out there's nothing to be afraid of somehow feeling ashamed or guilty because of that yeah. where it's actually like no like actually being primed to be afraid says something about the culture that we live in no i think that's actually an excellent point to bring up i don't want to bring up watcher again but also like this yeah, is a really ahead. big part of Watcher. Um, <laughs> but it's a it's a staple of movies like this, which I am going to just now kind of term women in danger movies, mm-hmm. <laughs> where like you aren't very sure if the, the woman is going to enter a dangerous situation, but like she might be. And like we are primed to be like, girl, what are you doing? Because we yeah. know that we're in a horror movie. But, like, in real life, you don't know that you're in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think it's very, very normal and understandable that, like, I, th- I think every woman relates to this. Where, like, you're in a situation where you mm-hmm. automatically assume the worst because you've been told to assume the worst. And mm-hmm. then when it's not the worst, you're like, God, I'm such a fucking idiot. Like, obviously, no one is just going to come in here and m- murder me or kidnap me or <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. But it definitely is significant like you said like it does really speak to like where we are as a society and i think it's really interesting that like this kind of movie has existed forever and it will probably continue to exist forever because this isn't something that's just gonna you know vanish (laughs) quickly overnight and i think that this is one of those moments that really sort of cements the difference between a female director helming something like this and a male Mm -hmm. director helming something like this yeah. I think a good example of that would be Men that also came out yep. this year. I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was completely fine. It had a couple yeah. of really, really good suspenseful scenes that really tackled this issue directly head on, mm-hmm. but not with the same nuance that we're getting Absolutely. here. Because I was gonna bring that up too. in in men, it's like, yeah, that was a really fucked up situation. <laughs> but like it becomes even more than that very quickly. Whereas in this, it's much more insidious and it's like Mm -hmm. she has to consistently check her like little is the safe box over and over again. And that's much more realistic and I find much more relatable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's, you know, the idea of being alone by yourself. And we kind of talked about this with A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, like, you know, existing as a woman at night by yourself, you almost kind of have to be prepared Mm-hmm. to to defend yourself against whatever might happen even though it seems super unlikely it's like there's some sort of ingrained sense of like you are in danger you potentially mm-hmm. in danger so yeah arm yourself if you can mm-hmm. and it's like obviously that sort of thing isn't just isn't just like a, a quote-unquote women's issue like there's a lot of other people who have to deal with that right, exact same right, situation. Right. yeah but sure. if we're talking like in broad strokes right now like if you're a if you are a woman who identifies as a woman and you're walking out at night, like, yeah, yeah, you're you have your keys in your hand, you're looking around, you're making sure that you're paying attention, 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you're even like have somebody on the phone or you're yep. texting somebody or you're letting somebody know where yep. you're going. Like it's that's just like what you do because like we've all seen Law and Order. Like it's like that kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good to clarify. It's not just women. Different types of, of people are targeted for just because of who they are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think going along with that, then it follows with her walking into the grocery store and mm-hmm. you see these kind of like I don't want to say weird looking people, but people shot in ways that make them look sort of suspicious. Like yeah. the the cashier kind of smiles in a weird way. And then yeah. there's like this guy who like it dips his finger into, I don't know what it was, yogurt or something. And then like licks it and looks over his shoulder. And I'm like, why did they film him that way? It's because weirdos come out at night. Exactly. But you don't know if they're a potential threat or if they're just people minding their own business and just happen to be out at the grocery store yeah. at night. So it's kind of like goes back to that almost treating everyone with suspicion before you know them. And then you get to see mm-hmm. them. And then you're introduced to Steve and he seems normal compared to everyone else. But in fact, yeah. he is the one who we should be suspicious of. Mm-hmm. So it's like you let your guard down or she, she you know, is, is wanting to give this guy a chance. So, yeah. And I also do, do like that. Oh, girl, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, do, I I do like also know. I I like that the film kind of acknowledges that like, hey, this isn't the norm anymore. And like when she's talking yeah. to Molly in that later scene, she's like, I mean, he was cute and he was funny, and like I know that it's weird, but like I would be okay with seeing him again. Like mm-hmm. she's like, I understand that like meeting somebody organically like this isn't really normal nowadays, and yeah. I I know that I do need to be careful because I don't know him like that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was nice. I thought that was understandable and refreshing. I do also like how she's standing under a sign that says fresh meats. Yeah. When she's at a grocery store, that was just <laughs> a signal. Also, she looks so cute when she's in the grocery store. I was like, yeah. oh, these two. I would stand them if they weren't crazy. If like, he wasn't crazy and they were like a normal couple. <laughs> Steve and Noah hit it off on their first date and then Woo-hoo. go on to have several more. Including where they get takeout at Noah's house and they have a small, awkward, but incredibly precious dance party. And then he asks if she wants to go away with him for the weekend. Okay. I, I want to I want to drop a couple of things in here real quick. <laughs> first, I would like to talk about their first date. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would like to talk about the conversations that they have during the first date. Yes. Because watching it for the first time, it was very like, oh, I like how we're getting this traditional first date fair. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. Watching this a second time, I was like, oh, he's pre-screening her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is making sure she has no connections to family. Yes. Like, yeah. genuinely, was like, I wrote in my notes, I was like, in the beginning, we get the clues. He's a doctor, a reconstructive surgeon, which oh, I yeah. think is a very interesting and specific choice. <laughs> I think he's actually a plastic surgeon, though. I think he is, I, too. Yeah. I yeah. know, but I think, it's a, I think it's an interesting choice for the writer to make him that. Mm-hmm. Fair. Because, like, they make jokes about boob jobs and butt lifts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, it, it makes almost too much sense, even, that <laughs> this guy who is cutting a woman and selling them for meat is working in a, an industry that is all about the deconstruction and reconstruction yeah. of women. Do you think he's also selling parts from that job? I don't know. I don't know. Just a thought. I don't know. Probably not. I think it would be hard to, like, sneak that out <laughs> who knows <laughs> but like he gets he, he gets her to tell him that she he has she has like no family she just has a best friend yeah mm-hmm. he is like very charming all of this and then when they go back to her place and start to fool around he stops 
And he's yeah. like, I, I think this is just too much. Like, it might be too fast. Because he doesn't want to cheat on his wife. Not even that. I think it's because he doesn't want to have sex with somebody that he's going to kidnap. <laughs> I think he senses that, like he says, he likes her. And he, yeah. he wants to be able to keep himself detached from her. Exactly. And treat her just like the others. That's what I think it is. And then she, and then this is like what uh, this sent me when I was watching it this morning. <laughs> she was like, oh, I've never heard anybody say that before. Like, I've never heard a guy say that before. Like, makes the joke. And then it's like, well, do you want something to drink? Do you want something yes. to eat? And then he goes, just you. Just you. <laughs> and and at I was first like, you're like, ooh, it's sexy. But then it's like, oh no, it's actually... <laughs> It's accurate. It's and then yeah. they, have, they have this sex scene, which is beautifully shot. Yeah. And yeah. the score during the yeah. sex scene is fascinating because it is both like sensual, synthy, what you'd expect, yeah. but also kind of off. And ominous. Yeah. yeah. And when I was, when I had the subtitles on today, it said unsettling like music plays or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. It is unsettling, Hulu. I agree with yeah. you. Like, <laughs> I I also want to talk about the lighting in those two scenes because I think the lighting is phenomenal. So the way that Steve's face... So my boyfriend Kyle had a great point. He was like, it's weird how they're lighting Steve's face. Like he looks... The way he described it was he looks almost plastic. And I was like, hmm. you know... And it, it like kind of superficial. And so as, as I was watching it again, like in that scene at the bar, his face is lit so it's like there's a bunch of white light on him and the rest mm-hmm. of the place is dark. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just gives off this really strange kind of weird vibe. And then when they're back at her apartment, it's red and there's a lot of red lighting used throughout the film. I noticed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that I kind of took that to just be like kind of symbolically tied to the color of fresh meat. Yeah. Cause yeah, it gave off kind of a sensual vibe, but then it was also a threatening mm-hmm. vibe at the same time. Mm hmm. I also really liked the the scene of her in the shower the next morning. I liked the way that it was shot. Mm-hmm. This movie has a lot of like compartmentalizing shots of people. Like yeah. with men, they're usually focusing on the mouth, like while they're eating or talking yeah. or whatever. But with women, it's a lot of shots of like a neck or hands or like really close up shots on Daisy Edgar, Edgar Jones's face or Molly's face. Molly, by the way, is played by um, Jonica T. Gibbs, and she does a fantastic job. Like, I just want to shout her out real quick because she is so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I loved how like empathetic that scene in the shower was because you know exactly what she's feeling. Like, she's happy. She's like, "Oh my god, I did it! Like, it went really well." <laughs> yeah, and she, you can like you can get that sense that she's like, "This actually might work." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just by the way that she is in the shower, like you could just like feel all of that coming off of that scene. I thought that was phenomenal. Like, it was no dialogue, just like a thirty second scene of her in the shower, and it was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, we know exactly where her headspace is. <laughs> well, like she has that line before they start making out, where she says something like. You know, I've I've been alone for a long time and, you know, to the effect of I don't need anyone to be happy and, you know, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at it, at being alone. But you also kind of know that because she is putting herself out there and, and dating and things like that, that she also has the desire to be in some mm-hmm. sort of relationship with someone. So I think that's why she's part of the reason why she's feeling so hopeful, you know, afterwards, because she's, you know, been seemingly having a hard time having a connection with anyone. Yeah. Molly has her reservations about Noah going away for the weekend with Steve. 
and is like concerned about Noah's safety because Steve doesn't have any social media, which mm-hmm. is very weird. Mm-hmm. Like in in this modern age, if you don't have <laughs> social media, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. I like how she's like, how am I going to stalk you? And he's like, do it the old fashioned way. Show up outside my house. That was funny. <laughs> Oh, he's really good at this. <laughs> yeah, he oh, is. I, I think that it's really smart that they have Molly being like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> For most of the movie. And then like being like, hey, you need to think, like, hey, like be smart about it or whatever. And I like that like she's trying to be like she is like, I'm going to text yeah. you where we're going. Here's a picture of the guy. It's not yeah. a good picture, but here's a picture of him. <laughs> yeah. And also, Molly's concerned because it's a surprise trip and Steve hasn't told Noah where they're going. Mm-hmm. Red yeah. flags. Yeah, and yeah, also Molly definitely. hasn't even met Steve yet. No! Too. Yeah, um, I wanted to bring up before this, when they're we're talking about their little dance scene. Yeah. When they're eating the food and he says, I don't eat animals. I'm oh a vegetarian. God. Goodness. Um, I don't I like, eat oh, animals. Well, actually, Get out of here. humans yeah. are animals. <laughs> but, you know. And then when he asks, he's like, so, you know, does anybody else know about yeah. me? Um, and she's like, oh, just, just my best friend, Molly. Oh, my God. Definitely still screening her. Yeah. And then he probes, Literally. probes about Molly and he's like, well, what is she, you know, what is she, how, what did you tell her about me? Oh, goodness. Literally. It's so wild. I. <laughs> it's so cool, though. Like, I really, I really think that this is, this is one of those movies that actually really benefits from a rewatch. When I went to go watch it i was like god this movie's two hours like i don't know if i want to do this again and i popped it on and i was immediately back in it like i was immediately (laughs) like we're here we're ready to party like literally almost immediately and the fact that there are so many little things that you just like don't even when you're primed to be looking for them because like the first time we watched this heidi and i were both like oh of course he's a surgeon and then like later we were like oh of course he doesn't eat meat he doesn't eat animals fuck this guy but like (laughs) Now it's also like, damn, he really had a whole plan. Like, (laughs) he has it down to a science, essentially. Yeah, literally. Yeah, and it's you definitely see the the cogs working, and the whole time you're like, oh, how how could she not see it? But the thing is, I I was gonna say I really like how how Molly is kind of that like Mm -hmm. second second opinion because that's why she's concerned that she hasn't even met him because I think there is something to meeting someone and getting just a general feel from them just mm-hmm. upon seeing them in person. And I think that sometimes, you know, this obviously isn't always the case, but I think sometimes when you are in a relationship, especially a new one, you can be a little clouded by the feelings yeah. that you're having for that person and your kind of idealized version of them and maybe not seeing those red flags and not either not seeing them or not wanting to consider them as red flags, wanting to kind of mm-hmm. explain it away because you're just so excited about the new person and about mm-hmm. being with them. So I think that having someone like Molly is is absolutely essential, not only in this film, but just like in life to be like, hey, maybe think about this. I know you're really into him, but like, this is a little strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trust your friends when they tell you they have bad vibes. Life yeah. lesson. For sure. Mm-hmm. Steve arrives late to pick Noah up and apologizes, but suggests that they should head to his place for the night since the traffic is going to be too heavy to get to their secret final destination. <laughs> final, final destination. destination. <laughs> it turns out 
Steve lives in a really fancy modern home that's in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. (laughs) And there's no cell signal, or there's very little. So even though Noah tries to tell Molly what's going on, she essentially has to drop off the map, especially after learning that Steve's Wi-Fi is conveniently out again. Conveniently. I appreciate that Noah in like that moment when she's like, what do you mean the Wi-Fi is out? You can like see her be like, "Uh oh, yes, like there's something about this. Yes. I'm glad you picked up on that too. Cause I was like, am I seeing, I thought I noticed like a subtle change in her like demeanor, but okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at the very least it's very much so like, okay, so that means I still can't get a hold of my friend. That's not good. (laughs) That's not good. We're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's alarming. (laughs) It's alarming. Yeah. I love it. Steve mixes Noah up, this old-fashioned with cherries, which, like, cute callback to their first date. And she inspects a mural that's, like, on the wall. And I don't know about you guys, but I definitely thought there was, like, a clump of hair that was attached to it. Interesting. No, I didn't. I thought that the reason why the mural was interesting was that it was all different, like, like flesh tones and it was all yeah, like so chunky yeah i that when they found that artwork they were like we know what we're doing with this like <laughs> yeah. and of course that painting like it comes back but like weird and as noah tries to go and inspect it he like brings her the drink and pulls her away from it and after her first like big old gulp of this she's feeling super out of it and soon mm-hmm. passes out face down in the carpet. Point of note, this is where the credits roll. <laughs> like, this is the time. So good. I love a really long opening sequence and then like a late yeah. credit yeah. thing. I love that. And so I was like living when that happened. This is another reason why this movie is perfect. And um, I love the way that the credits are. Like I love the font and the yeah. way that they yeah. do it. It's, the words are really cool. <laughs> that was not yeah. very specific at all. Or descriptive, but like I just think it looks really neat. <laughs> it yeah. is, and and one thing that I didn't notice the first time around that I really appreciated. I mean, it's totally devious, but I picked up on it the second time around. I was like, oh, that's neat. Is the way he gets her to drink the whole drink? Like you could tell that he was trying to get her to drink it pretty quickly, and he mm-hmm. was doing that by having her guess like what was there. Like there's a hint of something in there. Can you guess what yeah. it is? And she takes a sip. She's like oh, is it, I don't know what she says, like peach. And he's like, nope, try again. And so she's taking more and more sips. And then finally she's like, oh, it's nectarine. And he's like, good job, you got it. And I was like, honestly, oh, so shit. smart. That's how yeah. he's getting her to fucking drug herself by, well, not drug herself. He drugged her, but, yeah. you know, drink everything so that she's yeah. consumed the whole thing. Oh, so devious. Yeah. So devious, so wild. Yeah. Oh, Sebastian Stan. I was sitting there on the couch like, Never drink something you don't know how it's been prepared. <laughs> like, I mean, she you're wanted... right. But it's also like, what are you going to do? Not accept a drink from your boyfriend? Exactly. Like, <laughs> well, like I know. Like it's in that the case... other side of it, it's like what we're talking about, though. Like yeah. you, you have to be on edge all the time, and then if you're on edge all the time, people think you're crazy. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. Yeah. But if you're not on edge, then people think that you're being reckless. Yeah. Right. You can't win. You, you cannot win. You just can't win. Just walk around with your own, like, Capri Sun or something. I don't know what people <laughs> Walk around with your own Capri Sun. Capri Sun. <laughs> just got my Capri I'm Sun dying. in my fanny pack. 
Thank you, Laura, for that great advice. I'm um, staying hydrated. <laughs> Kool-Aid jammer, if you will. Yeah. You know, your drink of choice. Yeah, that's why that's why the listeners come here. They just need that fresh, fresh advice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm here. You're welcome. We love it. We love to see it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when Noah comes to, she's in the small room and she's handcuffed to the floor. She asks Steve, who's sitting in the far corner wearing a literal Bond villain turtleneck, what <laughs> happened to her. And he confesses that he drugged her. Just like straight up. He's like, I yep. drugged you. Well, I mean, at this point, what's he got to lose? Like, Yeah. <laughs> At first, she doesn't believe him, but Steve does explain that he's not going to kill her right away. But instead, it's just going to casually sell her meat and her hair and weird shit like that. And he promises to take care of her on the condition that she behaves. The fresher the meat, the better. The fresher the meat, the better. He's like, I'm not going to kill you yet because the fresher the meat, the better. Wild. Honestly, just truly all wild. Yeah. Yeah, the, the reveal was really mm-hmm. hard to watch actually and yeah. to watch multiple times as well because I, I found it interesting how you know, after the initial like oh my god what's happening she's like are you gonna rape me yeah and he's like no I'm not going to but I thought that was interesting that that's the first thing she says and the first thing she asks yeah oh it's it's hard to and watch. that's another that's another that's a great example of like you know, just because she consented to sex with him once does not mean that any subsequent... Mm-hmm, yeah. Does not mean that he could not rape her subsequently. I mean, yeah, that's, 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 that's a good point. Having not heard from Noah in a minute, Molly grows worried. She tries to Google Steve since he's a plastic surgeon, but, like, finds nothing. That's pretty weird. And then she tries to reach out to Noah again and promptly receives a text from her that she's in Cottage Grove and sends a picture of a waterfall. Noah then says that she needs a technology break and is turning off her phone. Pretty weird. Sure. Noah, sure. (laughs) Before letting her go, Molly texts, I love you, expecting to get an I love you more, like usual. Like, that's the cute little friend thing. And instead just gets a red heart. And Molly's like, no no she's like this is not correct (laughs) yeah back at the house noah is screaming for help and a girl on the other side of the wall penny tells her that no one's going to hear her or save them and there's like this third person and her name is melissa and she's gone crazy and the two of them are slowly being eaten like what the fuck yeah yep I do think it's very convenient. You th- you would think that they would have set up the place so that the women cannot communicate with each other in, in yeah. their respective cells. But, you know, whatever. It makes for a good story. Yeah. I guess they figured there's nothing they can do. Exactly. I think that's probably why he does it. And then also he, like, makes a point later, like, fear and fear and anxiety is not good for the meat. It's bad so, for like, the meat. <laughs> Maybe if they could talk to each other and keep each other somewhat calm, it's not going to spoil it, but like, whatever. I think that that just means that I will never be eaten for my meat, because I have a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. (laughs) Spoiled meat over here. Steve, upstairs, though, is having the time of his life. In the best scene of the film. 
This is I love amazing. this scene. Steve is preparing his next shipment of like boxes, maybe a subscription service. We're not sure. To his wealthy clientele using meat from one of Melissa's legs, which he skillfully butchers while having a dance party. Once the meat is packed, he adds in a photo of who the meat was harvested from and, you know, some, like, undergarments because it isn't bad enough to just be a cannibal. You also have to be a fucking creep. (laughs) (laughs) Scream. Well said. You're correct. One, we have a dumbwaiter. So I think we've previously talked about the the significance of dumbwaiters in movies and that they're just awesome. Yeah. And I'm really handy for getting meat up from your torture basement all the way up to, you know, your kitchen where you prepare it. Exactly. (laughs) This scene is emblematic to me of the mix of the horror comedy elements of this film. Yeah, Yeah. because he's doing something so gross, so gruesome, so taboo and just vile. Mm -hmm. But he's having the fucking time of his life doing it. Yeah. And he's just like being goofy. I love the close-ups on his face where he's making like these little like goofy facial expressions. And the pairing mm-hmm. of that activity with the music and the dance party is just an incredible. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent song. That's what like sold me on the film originally. Like before, like cuz I hadn't really heard much about it until I think Sebastian Stan posted his audition video yeah. on his Instagram. <laughs> And I was like, so I'm watching this. Like, there's no way I'm not going to watch it. I literally could not think of something that would get me more interested in a movie. As somebody who loves Sebastian Stan, loves horror films, (laughs) loves dancing, loves that specific kind of music. The music in this movie is literally so good. It's the exact (laughs) kind of shit I listen to on the daily. Like, I, (laughs) I cannot stress how perfectly attuned this scene is to what i need to see to get serotonin (laughs) (laughs) i was like this is genuinely flawless i love it (laughs) yeah and uh like i said like pairing pairing the song with the abhorrent like images and activity Mm -hmm. is is like Mm -hmm. definitely showing his nonchalance like how he this is just kind of a job to him he doesn't see anything wrong with it he's just kind of mm-hmm. like you know this is how you get through the day at work you put a nice song on and you just kind of jam and do do what you need to do so mm-hmm. it gives it a, a tone of like or it gives it a sense of mundanity mm-hmm. that is very unsettling for the the average person yeah but it's also just a joy to watch yeah <laughs> awesome I yeah I think that like everybody has their things that they really love. And, like, just shit like that is, like, the stuff that I, that's, it's, like, my favorite, the thing that I love about the movie American Psycho is just the, the scene where he's talking about Whitney Houston. Yes. And then he hits the guy with the axe. Like, that is what I want. Incorporate more pop music into horror film, please. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, literally, that is why that movie is worth watching for me. (laughs) Yeah. And we get several moments like that coming up. Yeah. I know. I love it. (laughs) When Steve comes to just casually drop by Noah's room, she asks if she can take a shower. And he agrees after asking her for a smile and a promise that she'll be good. Ew. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, all, just really quickly, gross. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> she plays along at first, but when she notices like a blood smear on some of the brickwork, she tries to attack Steve, but is unsuccessful. 
-hmm. He knocks her out, and then when she starts to come to, she's, like, laying on an operating table, and Steve is all dressed up in his surgical garb, and he's literally carving up her ass as a punishment for losing his trust. I will say... This is unfortunate that I believe this, but I think the having him ask for her to smile thing is at this point a little overplayed in this kind of film. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this kind of goes back to what Laura was saying earlier. Like, it's a little over the top, especially when they call back to it later. Like, mm-hmm. I think it works. Like, I'm not angry about it. Like, I think that him smiling with his mouth all full of blood at the end of the movie, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I also don't need it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. need it to get the point that this movie is trying to tell me. Yeah. I think that moment still would have worked even if he didn't do it here. Just because, like, that's an experience that people are mm-hmm. already aware of. But, yeah, I digress. Don't leave me here with my restless heart. <laughs> Honestly, so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I love that. Sebastian's name is truly unhinged. And I think that it's <laughs> wild that more people don't know that. Like... <laughs> Oh, but anyway, because he does comment on their first date that he likes her smile. So they, she could have just yeah. done it at the end and it would have been perfectly fine. When she reads that magazine at one point where it's like how to get your man or how to get him to notice you or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, Scream. smile more. We mean it. Yeah. Yeah. So a little, a little heavy handed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Molly, superstar that she is refuses to give up on Noah and visits the bar where she and Steve had their first day to try and get information about Steve, like his last name. The bartender, who is one of Noah's exes, pushes back because he doesn't want to lose his job, but he does eventually come through for her and shares that Steve's real name is Brendan Stephen Kemp. And after Molly does some research, she discovers that Steve is married with kids and is also able to deduce where he might live amazing honestly truly what a queen i kind of am upset that what happens to molly ends up happening to molly because she's doing everything right you know what Mm -hmm. i mean she Mm -hmm. does everything right also we'll we'll talk about that the other movie i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself (laughs) penny checks in on noah after her surgery if you can call it that and (laughs) is shocked to hear that like Noah slept with Steve before she was kidnapped because none of the other girls did. I love that Penny's like, I'm not, I'm not slut shaming you. Like it's, I take mm-hmm. it as a compliment, honestly, because <laughs> she was just so shocked. I think that she yeah. did that because she was like, no one else has done that. That yeah. must mean that he really likes you. Is yeah. what I took from it. When she Penny first awesome. says it, though, <laughs> you're like, ah, like girl, don't and slut shame her. Like, That's not what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, no, I think she's just genuinely shocked. Like, what is mm-hmm. different about you? Like, what does this say about him, kind of? Yeah. Yeah. It's moments like that in this in the script that, like, make me really enjoy it, too. Because it's, like, realistic conversations between women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I also like at the very end of that conversation where Noah's like, I was such a stupid, you know, I was so stupid. I was an idiot. And Penny says, it's not our fault, Noah. It's always theirs. So, you know, kind of diverging from the idea of blaming the victim. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Later, when Noah asks why Steve slept with her, he admits that it was a mistake, but that he does like her. He then tells her to relax because the fear and the stress isn't good for the meat. 
And then she's like, you know, naturally, <laughs> naturally, uh, we already talked about that. So I know, like, I know you did. It's just the way you said it was so funny. Like, <laughs> just gonna keep going. As she goes back to flipping through her magazines um, that Steve gave her, she finds a note in the margins from a former victim that encourages her to keep fighting and use Steve's feelings for her to try to escape. And when he comes by to check on her again, Noah like totally plays it cool and asks before he leaves what human meat tastes like. And he says like each cut is different, but it's all exquisite. And she just like doesn't react. And mm-hmm. it shakes him up so much. He's like, that's it. And she's like, okay. Like, I was just, that's it. Like, just curious. Amazing. Yeah. Playing mm-hmm. it cool. Very good. She's Igniting so that curiosity. Yeah. If I am ever kidnapped, I hope that I have the same, like, wherewithal as she does. <laughs> yeah. It's so smart. <laughs> she knows how to, yeah, kind of trigger his curiosity. Because I think she she gets the sense that he is feeling lonely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that the way to get to him is to kind of, what I like is kind of reverse the the game that he was playing on her at the beginning. So, yeah. whereas at the beginning, they're they're quote unquote dating and he's totally pretending to be someone else. She's mm-hmm. now flipping it and they're going to start dating and yeah. she's totally pretending to be someone else this time around. So I liked mm-hmm. how that dynamic was flipped and who has, they have different kinds of power at this point in the story. I mean, he obviously mm-hmm. has the physical power over her and chaining her up, but she definitely has the psychological upper hand on him. Definitely. Yeah. Molly arrives at Steve's suburban home and she sends Paul, the bartender, her location to be safe. Pro tip. Everybody do that. That's a good thing to do. More advice from the Slashers Prefer Blondes podcast. (laughs) Share your location. Do it. Okay. And so she like goes up and she rings the doorbell and Steve's wife, Anne, tries to shoo Molly away, but agrees to hear her out after Molly's like, I think Steve and Noah were having an affair. Anne insists that Molly should call the police. And like, as they're having this conversation and she's trying to get Molly away, Steve comes home. Oh my God. So stressful. (laughs) (laughs) And Molly's like, Steve, I think you know my friend. And he's like, no, I don't know her. You must have the wrong house. And this is where Molly being a genius kind of gets her into trouble. Because as they're trying to escort her out, Molly calls Noah's phone and it goes off in Steve's pocket. But before the two of them are like, Molly can do anything, like anybody's reacting. Anne's like, I'm just going to knock her out. And she's totally in on it. Mm -hmm. Anne is totally in on it. I... Okay, so I have two big qualms with this movie, okay? Yes. Mm -hmm. The second one we'll talk about when we get to the end. But number one is, but like, why does absolutely no one contact the police? That's what I was mentioning twice. I I can like understand that like Molly doesn't think that she's going to be believed. But that doesn't mean you just don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then later when... Paul goes up to the house and he gets those bad vibes. Mm-hmm. He also doesn't mm-hmm. call the cops. We don't see he that doesn't. happening. Right. And it's like, like he might. I don't know. But like, I, when I first watched this, I assumed that the end of the movie would be Paul calling the cops and he inadvertently helps them get out. Mm-hmm. But that, that is not, not what happens. happens. Right. And I'm like, 
I I think that scene of Paul going to the house is funny. Yeah. In like that kind of get out kind of way. Yeah. But it also seems kind of pointless because like yeah. why? Yeah. Like what does he do? Like all of that comes to absolutely nothing. The second time I watched it, I didn't remember what happened the first time around. Mm-hmm. Classic me. Um, I was so... really about to say that, but I was drinking my water. <laughs> <laughs> so like when he gets there, I'm like, oh yeah, this dude's gonna like help save him. And then he's like, nope, this is how I get killed. And he just drives away. And like, it's funny, but I'm like, why did we spend time focusing on that? Because he he yeah. does nothing to help. He literally just yeah. drives away. <laughs> he doesn't even call anyone. And I'm like, is that a commentary on how like, he's also unhelpful? But I'm like, I don't know. Is it? Because I mean, like, that doesn't really make sense well, either. Because <laughs> he's like, he's helping the whole movie. If they don't have cell service, could he call? I don't know, but no, he but could he go could somewhere drive. and call. Yeah. Yeah. How hard would it be for him to drive a few blocks away and then cut to a scene of him on the phone with the police? Yeah. Yeah. So that that is like a really tiny thing that did not really bother me the first time I watched it, but bothered me this time. Because I was like, she had multiple opportunities and she had plenty of evidence. Like, yeah. if you went to the police and was like, hey, they sent me this photo, but it's obviously from the internet. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. I like, I, I get that it's weird, but like, hey, I just want to put a missing person report out because I haven't seen my friend in over a week. Yeah. Yeah. And she said she was going to be gone for the weekend. Like, you can do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, Paul also makes a point where he's like, she's white, isn't she? Like, yeah. that is unfortunately to like Noah's benefit when she's exactly. going to be reported missing. Yeah. White woman in danger. Change the, we were calling them women in danger films. White woman in danger. Yeah. White women in danger. Anyway, sorry, I, I went kind of off on that. But like, I, That's it okay. was just really bothering me when I watched it this time. I was like, why are they not calling the cops? Like, I don't, just don't get it. Like, yeah. Mm. It is worth noting that I didn't put it in the summary, but Anne is like missing a leg. So. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, you didn't put that in the summary? No, because like that scene like does nothing. I know, Other but like this one moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess yeah. To me, it's showing that you know his wife is aiding and abetting you know all of this yeah. going on, but she is also a victim herself. So it yeah, this comes full circle at the end. But this mm-hmm. is yeah. kind of the first idea that like she is kind of entrenched in this, and it's I think it's kind of like the Stockholm syndrome mentality. Like she is actually a victim, but she has now join the forces of evil to put it yeah you know very dramatically yeah i mean she's she's entrenched in it for sure but you can also tell that she is scared that scene where he walks up to her and cups Mm -hmm. her face and kisses her Mm -hmm. and then like pulls at her face there's so much tension i'm just gonna ask i didn't understand that part where she's looking in the mirror and she's like kind of pulling her face back she wants to look younger oh because she is aware that her husband is cheating on her. Oh, okay. And her husband's also a plastic surgeon. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's at least what I took from it. Because I I really, really wanted that jealousy plotline to be more intense. Like, I really wanted that. I think that that would have been really interesting. I don't really know what they could have done, but I... They, they played with it, and I was like, what if that was the reason she really became antagonistic? Or... Mm. I know that that's pitting women against each other, and I know that yeah. that is blasé. It's twenty twenty two, but like, hey, you know, sometimes shit like that is entertaining, and like, I would have enjoyed that. Or um, <laughs> even like her going after the husband at the end because she finds out that like he's been getting together with Noah instead of returning her phone calls. Like that also would have been really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. 
I just feel like they had something with Anne and then they just kind of let it hang there. And it wasn't the ending for me for her character wasn't very satisfying. Yeah. I think the whole boss bitch, I'm going to take over the business thing is cool, but they also don't give us enough of that to really make that meaningful. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like, I was just like, whatever. I, eh. Yeah, I I guess I took her character wasn't very fully developed, but I took her as like at the very end when Molly says, you know, people like you are the problem. I think specifically she was talking about, you know, women who... She said, she said women like you are the problem. Women like you. I think she says bitches like you are the problem. But, oh, maybe um, she does. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of took that to mean like women who aren't supportive of, of other women. Like she sees, she was like, I mm-hmm. asked you for help and you did nothing. And so I kind of took her to represent someone who, yeah, is not supportive of other, when they see other women being tortured and, and killed you know, mm-hmm. who who actively helps with that instead of acting against it. Well, I mean, it's also completely, like, completely possible that, like, if Anne weren't so terrified, she could probably shut down this whole operation. Yeah. But they kind of make it seem like she's comfortable in mm-hmm. her current situation and comfortable with her wealth. Like, mm-hmm. she literally, she she is, like, fully, like, okay, well, I guess now I'm selling this guy's body. Like, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the movie. So, like, I think that she has gotten over the hurdle with the cannibalism stuff. I think that yeah. she, mm-hmm. you know, obviously has dealt with some trauma and is definitely still scared of Steve. Yeah. But, you know, she's also not the best person. And that was also showing here. So yeah. it's, it's, she's an interesting character. I just wish that we would get more with her. Mm-hmm. After this whole experience with Molly, later steve barges into noah's room and leaves her a new like comfortable set of clothes and invites her to dinner since she seemed so curious about you know the meat you know the meat (laughs) he prepares to have dinner with her and pulls out some leg from a large walk-in freezer that is full of like harvested meat that's labeled clearly from each woman it was taken from he grinds it up and makes some spaghetti and meatballs or a single meatball, I guess, is really what it is. Spaghetti and meatball. Okay, so I have two questions to prepare us for this dinner scene before we get into the analysis. So, question number one is, if you were her and he served you that specific meal, would you eat it? And question number two is, would you rather it be your own meat or somebody else's meat? Discuss. <laughs> wow. Okay. First, yes, I would eat it. It looks really good. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but it looks so good. I, I would eat it for the sake of continuing the ruse because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the only that's the only thing you can do. I feel like she yeah. really has no other options. Yeah, I would eat it too. Like, I mean, it helps that it does look good. Like, I hate that, but it looks so tasty. Yeah, my own meat or someone else's meat. Uh, I don't think it would matter. I've already, I would have already committed to eating it. So it, it wouldn't matter whose it was. I think that I would prefer it to be my own. Yeah. Same. Just, just because then I wouldn't feel as bad. Yep. That's true. But I will say that I would rather eat the meatball than the, the boob thing we have later. Just because yes. that looks like a boob. It looks like boob. I'm pretty sure that is Molly's It's Molly's. It's yeah, Molly's. He, even says, he even says something about like, it might be familiar It might taste familiar. Yeah. Which is fucked up. That's so fucked yeah. up, Steve. 
Brendan Stephen. <laughs> I yeah, I think I have to agree with Laura that under the circumstances, I think because it looks enough like ground beef, and probably because you know it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. That I I might be able to trick my brain into being like it's not it's not people. I think, you know, I I think <laughs> it might sound terrible saying this, but it probably doesn't taste bad. I mean, it's no. it's meat that is cooked and seasoned. It looks really good, but I think. I think the psychological barrier and the, yeah. you know, because yeah. it is so taboo is what would be the, the difficult part to get oh, past. Oh, 100%. 100%. But I'm like, if someone's going to serve me human meat, I want it to look like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, to look like, yeah, like food. Yeah. I would rather that than like in Hannibal where he's serving him his own leg. Yeah. yeah. And it very obviously looks like a leg. Yeah. The boob thing, the boob was too much. That would that would be hard yeah. harder to swallow. The the boob is definitely a next level like barrier to entry. Like he's testing her with the boob. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like that's what she needs to do to mm-hmm. to really I mean, sell it. The way that she like resolves her guilt about it though by like puking it up is exactly what I would do. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I would be able to keep it down. Exactly. That this is like a woman who went through what I went through. But like mm-hmm. I, as I said, like I would eat it. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that that was a fun discussion. Thank you guys for entertaining me. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to comment uh, when we post this episode. Would you eat the meat? And if you were to eat the meat, would you prefer to be your own meat or someone else's meat? We could, we could do a, we could do a poll. You know, a we'll, poll. We'll, we'll put it out there and see what people think. Because yeah, leave a review and tell us if you would eat the meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also think it's worth noting that like she takes like a big old chunk of that meatball. She She's does, and like. It's like one of those things too, where like she picks it up, and I think that it's it, the piece ends up being bigger than she thought it was going to be, and she's like, "Okay, well, we're already here. If I shake it off, he'll notice." Like the mouth noises during the scene Ugh. are incredible. I, I love hate mouth sounds. I I knew you would hate it, but I love how they're amplified to just really, you know, yeah. really let it sink in that that's what yes. they're eating. So wild. Also, yeah. shout out to dinner scenes in general. Dinner scenes, mm-hmm. always, always a great opportunity for tension. Yeah. Love them so much. A dinner scene always provides. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was all very good and enjoying all of it. Okay, we can we can continue with the analysis and the summary now that we've gotten yeah. that out of the way. <laughs> so that scene is also like, I think we had talked about it earlier. Where he explains that, like, he only eats women since that's where the market is at and they just taste better. And that her death and, like, the death of all these women is beautiful because it's about love and surrender. Vomit. Yeah, I I actually do want to bring up one thing here. The whole sequence where he's, the way it's shot is really cool where he's, like, pushing the little cart around because he's, like, getting ready to make her dinner and he's choosing the body part. And it's like playing that, it's playing that pop song in the background and you got like the freezer full of body parts Mm -hmm. and it shows the meat going through the grinder. So it's very much like showing how these women's bodies are fragmented and then prepared for the meal. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he talks about how he, she asks him like when he first 
mm-hmm. ate human meat and he was talking about how he was 19 and he felt so awful because he felt like he couldn't share it with someone mm-hmm. and i'm like well that's probably for a good reason but he's <laughs> like and then, and then he's like then i discovered this community of people it's a really very powerful thing and i wrote down he said it's about giving yourself over to somebody becoming one with somebody else forever so there's like this twisted but grotesque it's not forever it's not forever it's not forever <laughs> like this grotesque display of power and and desire and possessiveness kind of wrapped up into one which is very off-putting and that I'd like to bring in a passage from a book that I read because I think it like perfectly describes what's going on in this movie so it's a very short passage but it's from a book called Feminist Thought by Rosemarie Tong um, and this is actually a book that both Natalie and I read when we were in college. Mm-hmm. So it reminded me of this passage. It's in the chapter on ecofeminism, and it's specifically talking about vegetarian feminism. So in this book, they talk about another book written by a vegetarian feminist named Carol Adams. She wrote a book called The Sexual Politics of Meat. And in this, she established a link between patriarchal culture's oppression of both women and animals. So there's uh, these lines in particular made me think of this film. It says animals like women are consumed as objects of pleasure in a cycle of objectification. Animals equal food fragmentation. Animal carcasses are dismembered so as to be turned into food. And finally, consumption on our dinner plates. Likewise, women are objectified in parentheses, female body equals sexual plaything, fragmented into fetishized parts such as breast, buttocks, and vaginas, and consumed via conquest, rape, pornography, etc. So in the margin, I wrote violence through consumption. So I thought that this film was the embodiment of that mm-hmm. idea uh-huh. that, you know, like animals that are being consumed and, and prepared, Women are similarly fragmented, but definitely Natalie was talking about earlier with the shots showing specific parts of the body in different ways yeah. um, and, and literally cutting them up and selling different parts of them. And mm-hmm. then, like we said, the fetish- fetishization. Yes, that. So, yeah, the objectification, the fragmentation and the consumption of women's bodies. I think that's the thesis of this film. So I thought that was a really, I don't want to say fun, but a, a fun <laughs> kind of connection there no i love it that was that was like very appropriate for this film and this like that was written a while ago mm-hmm. yeah yeah so when i watched the movie for the first time i was like holy shit this is just like the sexual politics of me now i haven't read that whole <laughs> book i've just read you know a summary of what the argument is yeah but i immediately went back to this book and, and read that passage i love that No, I think that was really, I think that was really insightful and really helpful. And especially because I, the parts of the body that we have seen eaten or like served are leg, which like everybody talks about ladies, nice legs, right? Mm -hmm. He carves up her butt and then is, then later like serves her breasts. Like those are three like very sexualized pieces of the body. I forgot about something else I wanted to bring up. So the scene after Anne takes the shower and we see that Anne is without a leg, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it immediately cuts to Steve running 
on his property (laughs) and we get this like pan up shot of his body where we're focusing on his legs you know that he has Mm. two of Mm -hmm, and his wife only has one of Mm -hmm. and it's like it's like one of those very like it's his legs are like working and everything so like very muscular very like intense happening like it's almost like sexualized in a way and then it does the same thing again when he gets into his house we're still focusing in on his like calves and I was mm-hmm. like, that is so good. Like, I just really love that they automatically jump to that parallel to show, like, once again, a version of how he has power over her. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, hey, look who still has both of his legs. And I also <laughs> like that the camera is still dissecting him the way that he is dissecting women. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I also think it's neat how he mentions, like, this practice of buying and selling meat is for the 1% of the 1%. Yeah. You know, you get cuts to these these rich, mostly white men. Yeah. And it's showing them, yeah, eating the meat that they've bought. And one is definitely, like, doing something kinky. So it's, you know, like, he, he gets off on consuming women like that. And mm-hmm. they're just doing various things. And it's like, okay, these are the people who are, who are driving the quote-unquote market, which is just ugh, grotesque. Yeah. When he takes Noah back to her room, she thanks him, and he says that he knew she was special because she's fucked up too. After he leaves, he goes into another room and pulls out a, like, drugged up Molly, and as he passes by Noah's cell, she doesn't even notice because she's too busy throwing up all of the nasty food that she just ate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a different day. I don't know how much time passes in this film. I mean, that's intentional. Yeah. We know at least a week because Molly says a week ago they went to Cottage Grove. Yeah. Yeah. But that was when she was captured. Yeah. So it's probably been a couple Because they make a really big, they make a really big deal of being like, I don't know what time of day it is. And then like later he was like, I'll pick you up at seven. And she's like, I don't know what time that is. (laughs) Yeah. And then he like laughs. So fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) Some other day. Yeah. Who knows how many. Steve brings Noah a pink dress, it's hideous, that he hopes <laughs> she'll wear to dinner. He changes in some, into some, like, fancier clothes and, like, pointedly ignores texts and phone calls from his wife and takes his, like, wedding ring off and, like, puts it in this box. Mm-hmm. And he brings Noah to the dining room and he pours her some wine and they start with some pate that was courtesy of melissa before he shows her all of the trophies that he keeps of the women he's killed behind that painting remember when i said it would come back here it is (laughs) among all the phones and the photos noah notices penny's cube and eventually molly's phone and as natalie remarked earlier or maybe it's laura one of you two fabulous ladies (laughs) made a point to say that like Noah's stuff isn't there because he's like I'm keeping it for myself yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I I wasn't sure if that meant he was planning on eating her and that you know he wants to feel closer to her like his other clients and have her become a part of him or if he was like actually considering keeping her alive and and being with her like he did for Anne who knows, to be honest. Yeah, genuinely. It could go either way. Yeah. Ugh. For the main course, Steve serves up some breast meat that we're all pretty confident is Molly's. 
and Noah starts to cry, feeling guilty for enjoying it. It's a lie. But he is utterly... It's a lie. (laughs) He is utterly charmed by her act, though. And the two, like, dance again, and then she seduces him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have a question, actually. Yes. Do you think that she had planned to do this, like, to do her plan tonight or that night? Or do you think she decided after she saw Molly's phone, like, we need to speed this process up. Like, this needs to happen now because Molly is also in danger now. Ooh, that's I think question. the latter. Yeah. Because after she sees the phone, they have that close up on her face back at the dinner table. And she's, you know, she's definitely like in shock. And I was wondering if she was thinking like, okay, this needs to happen right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No more time to waste. Yeah, that's that's what I, that's how I took it. I mean, she was planning on doing all this anyway, but I think that she was like, yep, we're going to have to go. We're going to have to go. We're going to have to get him where it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Which she does. Yeah. Okay. Which cool. she does do. She does do that. <laughs> Noah is like a literal queen. As she goes down on him, she bites off his balls. <laughs> we literally love to see it like (laughs) i i he he totally deserved it let's just let's just say that i love the way this is shot i love the fucking shot of just her teeth bearing like obviously it doesn't show anything happened but you get the shot of her teeth going ah like obviously you can't see me because it's a podcast but i can feel it (laughs) going ah and then and then you see I think you see his face and he's like screaming and yeah. then it shows yeah. her again and she's got blood all over her mouth. Like, yeah. It's you know so exactly good. what happened. They really, they really popped off. It was so good. <laughs> it's so good. And then she rubs the toothpaste in his eyes. She's so smart guys. I love her. Yeah. I love this scene and I love how it's like, they're like, okay, in case you were wondering, we're back in it. Like action is happening now. <laughs> <laughs> What what do you think of the dance sequence that preceded this? I love it. When they do the slow down and they dance to a completely different song than the one that was playing, like what do you think that means? I first of all loved it. Second of all, I think that it kind of I, if you look at their like faces and their energy, Daisy Edgar Jones is almost deadpan. Mhm. Like she's not completely a deadpan, but she's almost deadpan. And then they're both moving together, like, almost like, it reminds me of the dance scene in Ex Machina, honestly. Mm, mm -hmm. I think all of it kind of serves as sort of like a hypnotic kind of sequence to kind of like lull him into a Mm -hmm. sense of security the way that he did to her. It it like kind of mirrors Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And then I think it just kind of shows like that moment, the dancing kind of shows her kind of taking back the power in the mm-hmm. moment. That's how I took it. I mm-hmm. loved the sequence, love the music. I love that Spanish song it's <laughs> playing. I think it's so cool. And I just think it all works really well. She even yeah. makes the dress look good. Mm-hmm. The dress is so mad. Like it's mad. It just makes me angry. Yeah. It's, it's not so a cute dress, but she, she makes it work. And she's also just like gorgeous, but I love that scene. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of like a, this is the build up to what Mm -hmm. I'm about to do. Yeah. While Steve is like writhing, 
Noah runs downstairs and frees Molly and Penny. The three ladies make it up the stairs. No, they don't. The three ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Keep it in. Keep that in. That was funny. (laughs) This is me telling the summary of the story. I'm just getting everything wrong. (laughs) So, okay. They think about going up the stairs is what actually (laughs) happened. And then they decide to put Penny into the dumbwaiter and set a trap for Steve. Mm-hmm. As soon as he opens it, all three women attack him and eventually knock him out and escape through the back door into okay. the wilderness. Pause. Pausing. First of all, I would like to talk about how awesome this this like little fight scene in the kitchen is. Yeah. I love the thematic intentionality of them fighting him with kitchen tools. Yes. yes. The meat I love tenderizer. It. Oof. I also think that when which one is it Molly who's the one who actually knocks him out? Yes. Okay, I think that when Molly knocks him out and then the screen goes black, um, this might be a controversial take. I think that that movie could have ended there. Interesting. And honestly, I kind of think that it should have ended there. Like maybe, maybe like a a small like coda mm-hmm. of them like in the way future or like them with the police or something. Mm-hmm. But like like something really short. Like the little married conversation that they have at the end, where yeah. Molly, when Molly was like, "That's his wife," and then she was like, "He's married." <laughs> yeah, hilarious moment. But I think like a little exchange like that could have been the end of the film as like a coda when they're both safe. But I think that the movie could have ended there. We don't need any of the shit at the end. I think I yeah, agree with you. Actually, the ending does drag. Like I think it would be interesting if they had like if they had it cut to black and then like Anne finds his body and is like get him on ice and then like the last shot is them like shipping out the boxes but it's steve that also would have been good i think i just like really do not i was like the wood stuff isn't bad and like i like when i like when they're like walking out with polly and molly and noah are like talking and noah's like this is all my fault i'm so sorry and noah's like no and molly's like no no it's okay like i was just trying to help you and this is where this is what happened and then Polly, like Polly, I keep saying Polly. Penny. Penny is like, Penny is like, you guys are so cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's really funny. I think that the smile thing is cool, effective, not necessary. I think that the part where she finds out that he's married is hilarious. I, yeah. <laughs> genuinely great callback because that's the first thing Molly says when she says she met he's him at the supermarket. It's so funny. Yeah. However, I don't find any of it necessary or suspenseful. So like... Yeah. I think that it would have been much more impactful if the three of them just beat the shit out of him and that was the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Thank you. <laughs> that was my that was my final issue with the movie. It's literally like, why does no one call the cops? I want them to do more with Anne. And I think that the end is too long. <laughs> yeah. The end is definitely too long. I mean, it's a two-hour movie. They could have cut it. They could cut it by 10 minutes. You know what I mean? I do like when he comes out and they're like, this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. That was hilarious too. Yeah. Uh, women are so funny. <laughs> so they're all like out in the woods and they're trying to escape and Steve comes to and heads out the door after them, shooting this gun blindly into the trees and he looks absolutely insane. Yeah. And Steve's wife shows up with like their driver. I don't know what exactly he is. And she finds a bloodied mess around the house. And she tries to find Steve and just follows the sounds of the gunshots. 
Penny, Molly, and Noah have managed to take Steve down, and Noah deals the killing blow by shooting him in the head. So good. Yeah. Agree. As they try to find some phone signal to, like, try to call for help, Noah realizes that she's left her phone and goes, like, back to get it. Meanwhile, Anne finds Steve's body and orders her driver to get the body on ice because waste not, want not, I guess. (laughs) And Anne runs into Noah and tries to act like she was also a victim before she full-on attacks her and tries to choke her. It's horrible! Yeah. Yeah. But Molly, MVP, hears Noah screaming and sees the two women wrestling and, like, Noah manages to stab Anne in the neck with a set of car keys i think that's what it was or was it the keys that steve used to like lock them up and stuff i don't know i don't know she stabs her with something <laughs> and keys. they're keys we just don't know what kind of keys <laughs> and molly shows up with a shovel and bashes in Anne's head the three women are finally finally free As they're relaxing, one of the guys Noah had been talking to previously shoots her a you up text. It was Chad. Was (laughs) it Chad? It was was Chad. Chad. It's from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then, like, in the mid-credits, there's also a scene with, like, five of these clients. Six clients. I don't know how many points there are in a star. It's very satanic, and that's how it ends. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I like how it ends, you know, it starts with Molly and Noah and it ends with Molly and Noah and yes. kind of reaffirming the, the strength of the relationship. Yeah. I think Noah says, I fucking love you, Molly, or something like that. And Molly mm-hmm. says, I love you more. So it was just, you know, a good way to yeah. come full circle. It's with really that. good. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. appreciate that this film does like put so much time and effort into like making it also about like women's friendships. And yes. like, the power of like women sticking together. Yes, I totally agree. Even, you know, Paul. I mean, yes, he did bail. Dip out. He did bail <laughs> at the last moment. But like just the importance of check in on your friends. Like, mm-hmm. you know, have your friends not like always know what your friends are doing, but like just look out for him if you can. And, you know, this is a case of Molly refusing to desert her friend basically yeah yeah and knowing that something was wrong getting that that sense and acting on it mm-hmm. going with her gut essentially so mm-hmm. a cautionary tale of sorts indeed yeah this movie's such a fun time it's incredibly it fun it's so messed up but it's incredibly fun at the same time yeah mm-hmm. it's like one of those movies where like you would not expect it to be as fun as it ends up being yeah mm-hmm. but it is it is really fun i love this movie i'm so glad that you picked it laura i think that it was a really good one for us to talk about too yeah because like it definitely has it definitely has a lot to say it definitely has a very strong message but i think that the way that it does it is very accessible mm-hmm. and really fun like i think that we so often as women we don't get a lot of like really fun horror movies about women being brutalized. And I'm not saying that like I had a good time watching these women get their right. bodies chopped of apart. Like not. I at all, like that's not what I'm saying. I just think that it's nice that the movie ends on like a positive note mm-hmm. and it does feel like uplifting. Like th- watching this is a lot more fun than watching something like promising Young woman. I love promising Young woman, yeah. but like, I think that we would all agree that the ending of this is a much more positive thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Definitely. 
yeah, I think I think in general, I'm just really excited to start seeing more specifically body horror films about centered on and about women and especially made and written by women as well, because that perspective, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe this is because of my lack of knowledge of other movies about of this type. I don't know if there are a lot of other movies out there like this that I just haven't seen, but I don't know. I feel like it seems like there aren't. And I think they're becoming more common because like we said earlier, we're getting different types of people making these films. Mm-hmm. So definitely I'm just really excited to see where this, this subgenre goes in general, especially because I feel like I, I don't want to generalize too much when I make these statements, but with that in mind, like I, I feel like women's bodies in particular are sites of a lot of trauma and a lot of control and manipulation. And I just think that having that reflected in film and getting the perspective by having the protagonist be a woman and like kind of relating to her struggle mm-hmm. is a really powerful thing. And we've seen that in the past. I mean, you know, we have the final girl trope. We have a lot of horror films do have female protagonists that encourage us to identify with them. But I feel like when it's made and written by women, it feels different. And I'm not sure I can articulate how it feels different. It just does. It just does. And maybe, you know, maybe in in future episodes, I can I can articulate that a bit better. I mean, knowing us, this is not going to be the first movie like of this genre that we cover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm just I'm thrilled to see where this goes. And I hope that we continue to see more things like this. Agree. Yeah. Natalie, you're picking our next one. What are we going to watch? Okay, so I do this thing where I pick a serious one, then I pick a not serious one, and we flip we flip back and forth. It's very casual. It's very fun. It's very dynamic. So <laughs> last time I picked my very serious pick, we picked The Night House. Loved mm-hmm. it. Excellent choice. Next month, we're going to pick one of my favorite films of the 2000s. And I think it's going to be one that we're, we, we have to talk about this movie. Like it just doesn't make sense for us to not talk about this movie. So that being said. Yeah, I think, I think I know. We are going to talk about Jennifer's body. Yes. (laughs) Let's go. Listeners. I did not tell them this beforehand. That was a very (laughs) early. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm I'm not going to talk about it right now. I think that it's obvious. I think just at first glance, why I would like this kind of movie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i've seen it a couple of times i know how you seen it at least once because i made her watch it once i've only and, seen it once and i think we're gonna have a really fun discussion i am very psyched i am too i would have picked this if you had not so yeah honestly honestly i should have decided to pick it sooner so we could have released it in june and done it for pride month but <laughs> it's <fine>. it's okay <laughs> uh yeah so next time be on the lookout for jennifer's body We are dropping some other fun goodies for you in the near future as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And yeah, um, give us a follow on social media. Our Instagram is currently at Slashers Prefer Blondes Podcast. We post updates and some fun stuff there. We're going to get more active on that soon. I'm I'm working on it. Um, And (laughs) also make sure to rate and review us on the podcatcher of your choice. Those reviews really do mean a lot to us. It's really cool to see that people actually enjoy what we're doing. And it also does help us get seen by other people. So we would really appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Everyone, please stay spooky. And that is the end of our podcast.